Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, there it is. Drums, baby. You guys can't see it, but this every single week Casey plays this live. This isn't a recording. <laughs> Just a heads up. Like what you can't see is it's not even a drum machine. It's a full-on drum set, and Esther is in the background playing the uh, what is this? The saxophone. So it's Esther and Casey playing this live every single week. So someday he'll show you. You should definitely ask him to play next time you see him in person. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. This is, of course, the A-Side Live Chat on MAFighting.com. It is Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on this lovely 101-degree day in Phoenix, Arizona. Joining us this week, we had a busy week, busy week last week. No between the links last week because this man was in Tampa covering bare-knuckle fighting. So we decided to get him back on this week so we could recap what he saw, maybe talk some MMA. Maybe you just need some more Mike Heck in your life. So, Mike Heck, how's life? After a tumultuous, not tumultuous, I don't know why I started it with that word, that week in Tampa. It was a great week. I needed a couple of days to recover. It's been my first time on an airplane in a couple of years, but uh, yeah. but I enjoyed it. It was a great week, and it's 74 degrees here in Boston-ish, Massachusetts. <laughs> it's I'll a beautiful it. day. Beautiful I'll July trade. day. I'll trade you. But yes, Mike was obviously not on the preview show, the post show, the pre-fight Q&A, and we got all kinds of questions. Where is Mark Heck? And I'm just like, well, he's covering fighting, so you can go watch all of his content later on. Uh, it was just Casey and I in the pre-fight Q&A, and then, of course, AK had to come in and ruin the vibe on the post show. But Casey, how's life in Englewood? Esther, no more saxophone. We're good, We're good <laughs> Esther. Ah, she loves that saxophone. Mm-hmm. Um... Oh, sorry, we're live, we're live, what's going on? Yeah, people are always like, why isn't Esther taking photos yeah. anymore? I'm like, well, she's obviously a professional jazz saxophonist. Yeah, she's, she's, As playing, you do. she's playing royalty-free music now, you can, you know. <laughs> <laughs> things are good, things are good. Things are great, but you guys know the drill, you can ask us any questions. Obviously, Mill 2, it's going to be fist-fighting related, but you can ask us whatever you want. If Casey sees it, he'll pull it up in the YouTube comments. I saw a few in the Twitter comments already. I haven't looked at a single one on the site because I like to go in blind. So, mm-hmm. without further ado, Casey, what is our first question? To the questions. All right, here we go, here we go. Uh, yeah, let's get to the big one. Judging criteria from Tristan Gorgat, 1982 on the site. Do you guys, do you guys think your colleague Damon Martin brought up a good point in this interview with Corey Sanhagen regarding the scoring criteria and judging? He felt that Dillashaw <laughs> didn't meet the criteria to actually win the fight against Sanhagen. Damon went as far as to say that he did feel it was a robbery according to what the actual scoring criteria says. Says, I know Mike talked to Dean Thomas, and this is 
this and about this on what the heck with judging overall. So what do you what do you think judges should actually focus on when it comes to that aspect of it? I think it might be something that should be talked about more. So I'm sure we'll talk about the D- TJ Dillashaw victory over Corey Sanhagen a lot this week. But this question's <clears throat> specifically about judging because they were, of course, Mike, I don't know. Uh, if you were in the air or you watched or what, but it was a controversial night, to say the least, at UFC Vegas 32. Uh, the TJ Dillashaw-Corey Sanhagen fight in question here is not even, quote-unquote, the biggest robbery of the night. I wouldn't consider that one a robbery. I just thought that was a close fight. There were more egregious decisions on that card. So uh, first, did you watch, did you get to watch all the fights on Saturday night? Uh, I didn't watch them Saturday. I've been watching them sparingly over the last couple of days. Um, Yeah, I didn't think this one was a robbery. I I agree with Dean Thomas. I I thought he made a a really good point that Corey, he felt, he felt that Corey Sandhagen was the better fighter overall. Like he can, he can leave Vegas feeling that he's the better man, but he felt that TJ Dillashaw won the game. Like he was opportunistic. Like when he needed to take the fight to the ground to steal rounds, he did. When he needed to take Sanhagen's back and get some control there, he did. But that didn't, but in Dean's eyes, he felt that Sanhagen overall top to bottom A to Z was the better fighter, but Dillashaw just played the game, used his veteran savvy and, and got the win. So I didn't think it was a robbery. I thought it was a tremendous fight. It was super close. It's what this Bantamweight division is all about, which it's just awesome. And these are two of the very best in that division and in the sport right now. So tremendous fight. No robbery. I scored it for Sanhagen like a lot of other people did, but I wasn't bent out of shape about the decision. That's for sure. No, and there were a lot of other people that said, I can't remember who's, these are fellow fighters that I saw periodically over Twitter, especially on, if you, we have a lot of content on Damon's interview with Corey Sanhagen out right now. So since I run our Instagram page, I see a lot of the fighters commenting on it. So a lot of fighters are in the days prior. I, now that the dust has settled, I think our, I don't think they agree that Corey Sanhagen won, but they agree that they can see why TJ got the nod. Similar to what Corey Sanhagen said, where Corey Sanhagen was doing a lot of exciting stuff, but he wasn't, you know, like there were close fights in there. And even Corey Sanhagen said that minor mistakes led to TJ's victory. And he can see how the judges say that. I think a lot of uh, fighters are in agreement. I, think, I can't remember who said it, but it was all the spinning stuff, spinning shit that Corey Sanhagen was throwing uh, that maybe cost him the fight. But Casey, what is your uh, assessment on judging criteria? What should they be focusing on? Uh, damage, 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 and then probably damage. There you go. And awesome. um, I think it was a robbery, and I think Sanhagen clearly won the fight. And um, arguably, um, he shouldn't have got round one, too, no, now knowing that uh, TJ actually got his knee blown out in that fight in the first mm-hmm. round. Um, so, yeah, I thought, it was, I thought um, it was a clear robbery. Actually, so, I thought it was uh, a worse robbery than the Maverick fight. Because of damage. Because of damage. Okay. Can we just? Yeah. What, what? I mean, listen, we're, I mean, we're I mean, going to have I, these I, arguments I, forever yeah. about judging the way this the current scoring structure is. Everybody being on different pages, like this five five years from now, when we're older men on the on the A side live chat senior edition, we're going to be having the same discussion. It's just it's ridiculous that the te- the ten point must system is horrendous as it is. But there's so many that doesn't holes. Help, in it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that doesn't help. Yeah, at I mean, all. I mean, in case you and I have talked about this so many times yeah. during these pay-per-view like post-fight press conference shows, the difference between ten nine rounds 
especially in in the co-main event it's insane like how can you give kyler phillips a 10-9 and then get how give holly on paiva 10-9s in rounds two and three it makes absolutely no sense and until that part of the game is fixed we're gonna be having these conversations forever it sucks that that single round that round that round one for kyler phillips was probably the most egregious scorecard egregious round score <laughs> of the entire um event um but um, i thought there were three bad three very bad decisions on that card and um yeah yeah i think we all know what all three of them were and i thought san higgins got screwed i thought san higgins is a better fighter i thought dillashaw looked great but just not as good as Corey san higgins and in a weird way in a weird kind of crazy bit of irony the fact that san i'm sorry dillashaw um got his I mean, San Hagen almost basically won the fight the first round. He blew his knee. He blew. Um, he popped uh, Dillashaw's um, one of his um, LCO, I think. And so, so now Dillashaw's gonna be out for a good while. Um, because of that, the t- Dillashaw had to kind of go for these takedowns, and where he couldn't actually finish the takedown, so he was just kind of holding on to that back, that little um, uh, that waist lock he had. And DC kept saying, that's a takedown. And at least Dom was there to go, what are you talking about, DC? If you listen to the commentary. But because of Dillashaw's um, messed up knee, I feel like Dillashaw actually had to play for points and just kind of wall install. And unfortunately, uh, the um, judges um, rewarded that. So um, that's how the cookie crumbles. Don't like it, but What if it's like a Willie Pep round? Where there is no damage. But then, How do you then, score it? Willie like Willie Pep won a Willie Pep won a round without throwing a single punch. Well, if no damage is taken, then you go. Um, so what know, I'm saying, I, I, we're I, taking I, I, damage. Grap, grap, no, uh, effective it, grappling was that what, what did no, they call in it? Effective. Round, in this fight, if it, if it is all one fighter throwing just hundred punches, doesn't land a single one, no oh. grappling. Do you, is it output or is it defense? I don't particularly care one way or the other. I'm just trying to, like, if you take damage, because there have clearly been rounds where there's no damage done. Um, how would you score that fight? Um, I have never seen a Willie Pep round in MMA ever, but it happens in boxing. Uh, I go with the effective grappling. I, I, ag- aggression means nothing. Aggression means you're just... I'm, I, yeah, but I said there's no... This is a purely striking round. There has been no clinching, no grappling. This is just a guy throwing all kinds of spinning shit, punches, kicks, everything. They never clinch up. They never grapple. They never wrestle. Give it 10-10. This is all hypothetical scenario. So you're giving it a 10-10? Yeah. I know I know. there's on, for some reason unicorns or for some reason, but I think I, 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 if 10-10s exist, use them. Okay. That's my thinking. <laughs> Anything Thank else? you for the question, Tristan. <laughs> do, 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 do. For another, for a question from Terrence Leverett, do you think Stipe is getting unfair treatment by the UFC? He said he didn't want to fight this year, last I heard. He also expects to get a rematch right away because of his, his title win record. Well, I think this is great what he did at heavyweight. Well, I think this is great what he did at heavyweight. If he always gets a loss to his next challenger, if he wins the belt back, he can go win loss and expect a rematch i think one is a better fit thoughts and then that's so that's the first question it's a little wor- worded a little weird so i think he's just saying is it fair that steve is it unfair that steve is not getting the immediate rematch considering he holds all the ufc heavyweight records 
DC got back-to-back rematches, or, well, he got the immediate rematch with DC. DC, of course, fought at least one time between them when he fought Derek Lewis at UFC 230 in Madison Square Garden. The and then belt. Stipe. Yeah. Well, he defended the belt, yes. Yeah. And then Stipe uh, got that next fight. So Stipe fought Daniel Cormier three times in a row, and now he's basically asking for the same courtesy against Francis Ngannou. Uh, Francis Ngannou said he didn't really see the need for an immediate rematch. Dana White seems perplexed when that scenario was brought up in the pre-fight interview pre-fight press conference i don't think if you, i don't know if you guys remember that but i think it was schmo brought it up and dana was like hmm that's a good question and then like he just moved on one presented would would stipe get the uh, another fa- chance at france so mike is stipe being treated unfairly by the ufc i mean you can make the argument that stipe has been being treated unfair by the UFC for years now, even since he was the champion. I mean, I mean, the, the, the heat and the rivalry between Stipe and the UFC has been going on for years. Like, Jose, you were at UFC 220. You saw what happened when mm-hmm. Stipe beat, beat Francis. He wouldn't even let Dana put the belt around his waist. That rivalry has been going on for a long time, and it, a lot of it has to do with promotional push and stuff like that, and a lot of it's on him, too. He's not the most outgoing individual most charismatic guy when he does interviews but that shouldn't take away the that shouldn't take away anything from his fighting another thing that we have to keep in mind is that the heavyweight divisional landscape is way different than it was back then now you got guys like john jones there was no cyril gone coming up and and winning these fights Derek lewis you know had just fought for the title not long before that and was trying to make his way back up which he has done and now we have all these other contenders that are trying to to make their way up the rankings right now so that the heavyweight divisional landscape back when stipe lost the belt to dc was just so vastly different than it is now there wasn't that many contenders there's a lot of different contenders now there's a there's a queue in the heavyweight division for the first time in a while so and and dana has said like you know, especially with what's going on with John Jones and, you know, the back and forth between them. He said Stipe is going to get the winner of this fight. So, I mean, or, or once Francis has an undisputed title fight, Stipe is going to get the next shot. So, I mean, it's not like he's not in the conversation at all because Dana keeps bringing him up. Like the winner of Gon and Lewis will fight Francis and then Stipe will get the winner of that. So it's not like he's out of the conversation. It's just he's just not next. It's just a different division than it was two or three years ago. Yeah, you'd have to imagine if John Jones was moving up to heavyweight when Daniel Cormier was the champion, we probably wouldn't have had the trilogy with Stipe so back-to-back-to-back. I'm sure they would have thrown a John Jones fight in there against Daniel Cormier at heavyweight or a Brock Lesnar fight or whatever, regardless. Or if Cain Velasquez hadn't come and fought Francis Ngannou, maybe we could have gotten Stipe and Cain during that time. Um, But Casey, we're going to keep it to this scenario specifically because I feel like has Stipe been treated unfairly by the UFC has been a question for like the last four years. And it's like Mike said, it's, there's a lot of scenarios where he's been treated unfairly, but in this specific scenario, not getting the third fight against Francis, is it unfair? Uh, yes. And, but it has nothing to do with the belt. It has everything to do with money. Um, that's all. If, um, what, um, what these fight, the pay cut, uh, many fighters have to take once they go from being a champion to number one contender is massive. I think it's like maybe like they get three or four times less. So say Stipe, I'm just going to say Stipe makes $1 million for a championship fight. His next fight, say they book him against Curtis Blades. I'm sure he's only going to get around 250000 or something. So like basically it's just a tough fight, you know, just dangerous fight, and you're making a quarter of the money. So um, a lot of that is doing, if if if. I, I guarantee you, if Stipe was going to get paid the same amount or near the same amount as a championship fight, he would take it. But um, 
I'm sure they just didn't. I'm sure they just, they're offering him, they're lowballing him, and um, and um, yeah, fans aren't gonna be like, okay, whatever, we move on, and it sucks for Stipe. Yeah, because let's not forget this big rivalry with Dana White. The genesis of it was pretty much, I think, Overeem got paid more than him when they fought. Yeah, and Stipe was the champion. I think that's where it started. Correct, and yeah. in Cleveland, in no Cleveland. less. In Cleveland, yeah, and Stipe sold out that place. Not, yeah, whatever. Yeah, obviously, you know, obviously, Stipe's never been happy with the money of the UFC. He's kind of been open about it, kind of not. You know, a little coy, obviously. I mean, not obviously, but. Um, you know, he's been out there kind of hinting at it, but then he kind of pulls back, which is kind of mm-hmm. a bummer because you kind of want to, you know, like just lay it out there, Stipe. You know? I don't think it's a bummer. It's just how he is. Yeah. Just let him do his thing. Like if he doesn't want, if he doesn't want to talk about it, he doesn't want to talk about it. Well, a bummer, um, well, bummer for media people because like we want to know. Fans want to know. <laughs> I want to know. I want to. I want to. I these are, these are the things that, about the sport that I want to know about. We see the fights. We see the press conferences. These are the like. This is the real part of the sport. The dirty part. The real fighting. You know. Question two. I think Paige would wait, be wait, better. Wait, 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 wait. Why wasn't Stipe? Why isn't Stipe fighting in Houston for the interim belt then? You should call up Dana and ask him. I mean, I'm kind of. I, I never even thought of that. Like, why isn't it Lewis versus uh, Stipe? For the Mike? Well, I mean, from from what he said after the Ngannou loss, he's having another baby, or he maybe even had the other an, another child, so he wanted to spend some time with his family. And then he's also said that he wants to put on some size and some muscle before you know get back up to the 250 range before he comes back, and you know, in hopes to fight Francis. He felt like maybe he was too light, a little too. Uh, you know, just just not as big and not as strong and just felt like he was overpowered by Francis. So he wanted to to get those things right before he came back. So, you know, he talked about maybe the end of the year, but probably not. So, I, it, you know, in my eyes, I didn't expect to see him until 2022 anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. So this, it's all kind of a mute point if he wasn't going to fight till another few months anyway. So. Right. And again, he's in the conversation. Like he's in the conversation. Anytime Dana talks about this fight and like you know where they're going with the heavyweight division, he always mentions Stipe as getting the winner of Francis versus the winner of Gon versus Lewis. So there you go. I mean, and in, in, in the time frame, the timeline lines up perfectly for what Stipe wants. If he doesn't want to fight till twenty twenty two, you know, chances are they're going to turn Francis around. You know, if Lewis and Gon. Whoever wins that fight comes out unscathed or doesn't take a lot of damage and can can bounce back quickly. I have a feeling that the UFC will try to book that undisputed title fight before the end of the year. So Stipe could still get his shot right when he's ready to come back. I was hoping the heavyweight championship would be in Madison Square Garden. I don't think that anymore, especially with the addition of Camaro and Colby Covington. But end of the year, that December card... Why not? But that would be a lot of time between fights for Francis, especially considering he said he was going to be ready in September. Right. Number two, I think Paige would be better at going to Bel. This is the same group of questions from Ch- Terrence Leverett. I think Paige would be better going to Bellator or Gamebred, Ga- Bellator Gamebred BKFC, which is MMA. Is that just Gamebred FC? Right. I don't know why. It's I think they're supposed to be a com- yeah, yeah. I think they're supposed Gamebred to be a comma. FC, yeah. Gamebred FC. She lifted BKFC, but she didn't get anything from it to build her brand. I think MMA is a better fit. She can use all her tools. Remember, Rachel was winning the first fight until she got caught with an armbar. Thought. So, yes, Paige Van Zandt came up short uh, in her second fight to Rachel Ostovich. Obviously, the first fight was on the first UFC on ESPN card in Brooklyn. Uh, she submitted Rachel Ostovich, and then they rematched at BKFC 19 this past week, which Mike was at. So we'll get his thoughts on 
just the fight in general, especially without the commentary. Uh, so first, Mike, I want to get your thoughts on Paige's performance in that fight, Rachel's performance in that fight, and if you're her team, what, where do you send her next? Let me... I didn't like a lot of people have kind of crapped on Paige's performance, and I I don't really understand why because the fight was good. She definitely has made some improvements, but no one really thought that be, bare knuckle fighting and bare knuckle boxing would be the lane that Rachel Ostevich like was the most comfortable. But you saw seconds into that fight, this might have been like the best place for Rachel Ostevich. I don't think it was a matter of. Paige not looking good I just I feel like Rachel just looked great like I she felt so comfortable she looked so comfortable in there and she cracked Paige right away and stole all the momentum within the first 10 seconds of the fight it's hard to come back from that when you just you know cracked by surprise like that I mean I know it's a fight but I don't think anybody expected Rachel to come out so aggressively and land such powerful shots and just be that comfortable in there so I I I thought it was a great I thought it was just a fun scrap it was just a really entertaining fight and Rachel looked great I thought you know she looked better than you know Paige looking not so great if that makes any sense so I thought Paige looked fine I thought Rachel looked better and Rachel won the fight in terms of where she goes from here we got to understand she doesn't need to fight like she makes so much money off of her website and things she does on social media and, and outside of fighting things that she doesn't need to fight. She fights just because it's just the competitive juices that run through. Her. And, and let's not forget, she makes a ton of money with BKFC. BKFC opened up the bank account and just flooded her with money to bring her in. And she gets what she wants. She gets more money. She gets the the challenge of and the rush of getting into a bare knuckle fight, this this up and coming sport, and she has put a lot of extra eyeballs on it. So, I think she comes back. I think I think she sticks around with BKFC. I think this this loss will motivate her even more. You saw the improvements. She she. I think what what we need to see is we saw more of an MMA fighter in the fight with Britton Hart. We saw more of a you know someone who just focused on boxing in the second fight with Rachel Ostevich. If Paige can somehow find that sort of middle ground. Between the two, I, I think she'll find some success. I, I, she definitely shows some improvements. Let's not forget it's her second fight in BKFC. Rachel just looked ridiculously comfortable in there. I, I think I think Paige is going to stick around. I think she gets another fight, but let's throw in there with, you know, a tough fighter who, you know, she'll struggle with at times. She could struggle with at times, but one that she'd be favored to win. So I like Casey's idea. He's, he mentioned Cassie Robb a couple of different times. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. That works out just fine. You want to throw in there with Jenny Savage? That's fine. Uh, Paige against anybody is still going to draw eyeballs and draw money. So just get her in there with somebody, somebody that she can look good against. And, you know, maybe she wins, maybe she loses. But give her somebody that she's a clear favorite over and just let's see how she does. Try to build her confidence back up. Casey, do you want to see another bare knuckle fight against Paige, or would you like to see her go do? Because uh, Gamebred FC is bare knuckle MMA, correct? Correct. Um, I don't think the money's gonna be if the if the money is not the issue. Uh, actually, I think Paige would be a great uh, bare knuckle MMA fighter. Basically, it's just it's just UFC one with a, a few more rules, just no sure. gloves and everything. And uh, I think uh, bare knuckle MMA is very um, is very advantageous to really good grapplers who can good, good tough grapplers and which i think Paige is she's actually i think she's a better a better grappler than a than a striker um mm. but uh going back to Paige's performance she, yeah she's 0-2 but she didn't get blown out both fights she just lost two competitive fights that's all 
like, and like I've kind of said before, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, they lost the first two games of the finals, and then they won the dang finals. So she didn't, if, if she would have gotten knocked out, just got demolished you know, in the first round, both, two, uh, both fights, then we have a different conversation. Both were competitive, two competitive five-round fights. And, um, yeah, and she, I think Mike, Mike said it well. And the first time when she fought, she was, was kind of an MMA fighter doing bare knuckle, and now she was a boxer doing bare knuckle. You got to find something in between. And that's what Rachel had. Rachel had, like, she wasn't a boxer in there. She looked like someone who, <laughs> she looked like a lady from Hawaii who's, who's, who's been in a few scraps. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> and and, and that kind of, that, uh, you, you saw uh, Mike kind of, when Rachel was talking after the fight, like there was a different type of look in Rachel's eye that we don't see pre-fight. It was, you, you kind of go, oh, okay, now I know why Rachel fights. Because a lot of times you look at Rachel, you see her, you know, her photo shoots and everything. You know, she's obviously, you know, she likes to, she loves to make up, loves to, you know, look, loves to look beautiful, you know? But then when, um, when the fight happens, like, oh, she likes to scrap. And you could tell. And like, and that's the, that's like the real Rachel Ostevich. And um, I don't think Paige was ready for that. I think Paige, Thought she was fighting the Instagram model, and that's not that's not who showed up. That was Rachel Ostevich, the freaking fighter who wanted to throw bungalows. And uh, and uh, Paige just needs to kind of find that right aggression in there. And um, she but she did make improvements. And so, um, long story short, I hope we see Paige back again. Rachel scraps, man. All yeah, of her fights, yeah. even <laughs> even in the UFC, when she lost, like I couldn't find. I was looking for the scorecards for the Paige. Rachel fight and I remember Rachel looking pretty good in the first round and then she got submitted in the second round but I can't remember how, exactly how the fight went I couldn't find any of like you know sometimes they send the scorecards out and they'll show who won the first round for the submission couldn't find it but she has three knockout losses and three submission losses in the UFC and those are all of her she's never lost a decision and both of her wins have been by submission and she's never scored a TKO in the UFC so uh, interesting MMA career, but I think Mike said it best, and I think Kay said it best. She just seems like she was built for bare knuckle fighting. You know, <laughs> just go out there and just scrap. Yeah, and, and I, w- I would say this: Rachel fought in a way that was very risky because <laughs> if you're an experienced bare knuckle fighter, she was throwing big, wide overhand, overhand loopy punches that really you should never throw when you're bare knuckle because it ju- it would just break your hand super bad. But maybe. Rachel, well, I think Rachel, Rachel got, said Rachel it got fortunate the, she didn't break her hand. The, the punches she was throwing yeah. are very dangerous to throw because you'll break your hand, and then you obviously you'll lose the fight later. But uh, she didn't break her hand, so good on her. Well, Rachel said it. I think it was t- your question, Mike, at the press conference. You wanted respect right out of the gate. She wanted Paige to respect her power right away. So fair play. She won. Um, what page does next is entirely up to her like we all say it does need to fight but if she wants to keep fighting so be it but i would i would like to see her in game bread fc or yeah. one or bare knuckle fighting she clearly like we don't cover and as ma fighting we don't cover every single bkfc event there's a reason we covered this one because page is a big deal in the world of mma and combat sports so whatever she wants to do i'm sure fans will be interested in oh, cool Terrence Leverett, if AJ goes out there and wins this weekend, is the prime example. If AJ goes out there and win this weekend, is it the prime example of letting a start grow in their star power and skills? Oh, I think, I think if it's so, a typo. Sorry, a yeah, star there's grow, a few. Yeah. If so, who would you who? If so, who who could have used this in any org, male or male and female? I think this is one thing that boxing does well. So yes, AJ McKee is fighting Patricio Pitbull at Bellator 263 uh, this weekend at the Forum in Englewood. Uh, 
Patrice, this is the fight that everyone had been hoping for when they made this Grand Prix. I, I wouldn't have. This is a fight that I wouldn't have cared if, if it happened before the Grand Prix. But the fact that it is, they were put on opposite ends of the tournament, and it worked out, and both of them are in the finals. Patricio Pitbull, many consider it to be the greatest fighter in the history of Bellator. I think we can all agree. He, if he's not one, he is obviously in that conversation. AJ McKee is the definition of a homegrown talent. He debuted in Bellator at O and O, correct? Like he's never fought for any other promotion outside of maybe amateur fights. Yeah, not as, as a pro. Yeah, yeah. He, his pro. He did, they did the Aaron Pico route. He debuted at O and O, if I remember correctly, back in 2015. Wow. And so he had his how many? So what is he now? 17 and 0, 18 and 0, something like that. So 17, he has the record. He has the record for most consecutive wins in Bellator history, but that's because he's an undefeated pro who has never fought anywhere else. So all of his wins have come in Bellator. Like we've seen a few fighters like this in in the UFC, but not to this success. Like I believe Matt Riddle debuted in the UFC. I believe Matt Mitrione debuted in the UFC. Obviously CM Punk debuted in the UFC. James Tony, I guess technically debuted in the UFC and MMA. Those guys obviously did not have the success of uh AJ McKee who started I can't I obviously don't remember his first fight, but he started all the way at the bottom and worked his way all the way to the top. 17 18 wins in a row and now he's fighting for the championship mike do you like this approach that bellator does or is this just an anomaly that it worked out for aj mckee like do you want to see this more in mma i think aj mckee is kind of the middle ground in all the attempts that they tried to build prospects like they did this they did this with michael page they did it with aaron pico and they learned lessons with both right because michael page is winning fights and eventually it became well, when are you going to throw him in there with with with, with someone you legit? Like, when are you going to throw him in there with like a like somebody in title contention? And he finally built his way up, got knocked up by Douglas Lima, and that was a fight that Page was actually finding some success until that second oh, yeah. round. So, I mean, Page is a legit fighter, and I think they built him up well on the comeback up. You know, Ross Houston is a good name, and there's some there's some decent Derek Anderson's a decent name, but I think people were still kind of waiting to see if they could. Buster back up because you can't rebuild him again after that. Like he's he's been in combat sports for so long. Aaron Pico is different because I mean Zach Freeman. They they kind of had a misstep right away because people just didn't wrong realize how good Zach too. Freeman was, it, and it was the wrong weight class. And you know, and then they kept giving him guys with winning records. I mean, but the the resumes weren't that great. And then you throw him in there with the Corrales and the Adam Borges and stuff like that, and people feel like he was rushed and. You know, you can make arguments with that, but at the same time, if Pico went out there and just devastated both of those guys, and it's like, oh, Bellator did a great job building this prospect up. So you can't win either way. But I think with McKee, they did it right. Slow burn, just kept building him up, putting him on the right cards to fight in front of his hometown fans. Like that's what Bellator has that the UFC and some of these bigger organizations do not have. Like they don't just bring in regional fighters to sell tickets and give them opportunities to compete in front of their home crowds and start to build a name like that. And Bellator is also getting better at once guys are starting to boil over and that cup's starting to, to spill out, they put them on big cards. They put them on, on main cards with big main events that have a lot of eyeballs to help build those other stars. And I feel like they've, they're doing that better with Aaron Pico. They've done that better with AJ McKee. And then by the time they realize like AJ's legit, this guy's a stud, like, let's see where he can go. It's sink or swim time. The guy has swam. 
he's won gold medals in swimming for for god's sake i mean the guy is just super legit and because of the way they build him up it makes this fight so much more interesting even though patricio pitbull's strength of schedule is is definitely stronger and better than aj mckee's but bellator did a great job with aj and it makes this fight much more interesting and the betting lines say that i think i think patricia pipple is like a minus 100 favorite in this fight like it's a straight pick them heading into saturday night so everything they have done with aj mckee to set him up for saturday night has been absolutely perfect yeah i think it was just a perfect <laughs> partnership also i i do want to rephrase because i said i wouldn't have cared if this fight I, I i wouldn't have minded if this fight was even before the grand prix i think the grand prix helped it out in terms of building yeah. AJ McKee because you can't argue with the tournament. You can't say, oh, he got fast-tracked to this and that. Dude earned his title fight going through a literally like you can't say no to the next fight because that moves you on. So I rephrase. I'm glad this is happening because now there is no argument that AJ McKee deserves the title shot. Anyway, Casey, what were you going to say? I'd like to note some of the differences between between the, um, the, the rise of Pico versus AJ McKee. When AJ McKee was signed, he's 0-0. His first three fights in Bellator were dark fights. They were post limbs. They weren't like mm-hmm. maybe maybe you could watch on like Facebook.com at the time. I don't know, but they were they were they were all fought in Southern California around here, either Temecula or Irvine or somewhere around here, and they were all after the main event. Like I honestly don't know if when when the because you have I mean sorry Scott and Bellator they signed a lot of 0-0 fighters, not a lot, but a lot of 1-0, 2-0, 0-0 fighters. And they throw them on the early, early prelims or the postlims in the back in the day. Um, I think AJ is just one of those guys that really panned out because the first I'm looking like right now, first five or six fights, I, I, it, it was a while before AJ was a televised fighter. So they brought him up very slowly, even in terms of um, media awareness. So like the probably the first probably, MMA fighting probably didn't even really even report on any of his fights until he was like probably five, six and zero. Oh. So um, it's such a different it's, – it's a way – the UFC doesn't have really a way to do that. I mean, maybe you can just keep throwing a guy in contender series over and over, but um, even then, it's, it's, it's still different. Um, so um, I love this fight. Uh, yeah, obviously they did make – there were a lot of missteps of Aaron Pico. But that's not on Bellator. That's there's a lot of on Aaron Pico and his management, and that's why Aaron Pico did change training camps. That's why he did change management too. We got people forget that. So uh, they're not. It's not. It's, uh, it's not apples and apples exactly. But right. yeah. I lo- plus I lo- I lo- plus I lo- Aaron. P- yeah. Sorry. Plus Aaron Pico. Like before he even. Before he even, I mean, this is two years before he had his pro debut. Aaron Pico was already anointed as the greatest prospect that ever stepped foot in an MMA gym. Like he already had all this ridiculous pressure placed upon him before he even made that walk before he, even he was signed at like 16 or something like that it's insane <laughs> it's insane it's nuts and like aj got to kind of like i mean aj obviously has the family name but he got to sort of like you said just develop in those in those post slim scenarios like kept the people there after the main event just to watch him fight and slowly builds him up i don't think i think his fourth fight was the first time he was on a main card because it was like it was that italy card so they mm-hmm. just they just put him on there so and then he just kept building and building and then I think what well, what was the fight that really they they finally started seeing some the Dominic Mazzotta fight in April of 2017 like that was a good step up for him a 12 and one and fighter just, he fought a 12 and one fighter yes 12 and one on the really is that the only head kicked that's yes. the only head kick that was a head kick yeah, yeah. that was yeah. the head kick knockout 
And then, you know, Blair Tugman's a, a decent name. Brian Moore's a, a decent name. Justin, Justin Lawrence, Lawrence John is a very decent name. Justin Lawrence is a, yeah. is a, that's a very good name. Yeah, actually, for who he was. And all this took place in a six-year span. So it's not like it's, it, it happened really quickly. 17 fights in six years. That doesn't happen that often. Plus, we had a pandemic to deal with, too. Mm-hmm. Pretty insane. What a, pay, what a pace and well done. But it's the pan- but again, there are certain times where some of these regional fighters don't pan out. Like, look at look at Mike Kimball. Remember Mike Kimball? Yeah. Guy mm-hmm. comes in on the uh, on the, the early looks prelims. Good, looks good getting yep. off the bus, as they say. Yep. Couple of quick, great on the mic, great on the mic, you know. Yep, drop a promo, and they they went all in on him. And you know, Paradigm picked him up, and all the you know, and and they tried to push him, they try to try to build him up. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes fighters are ready for that, sometimes they aren't. And I know Mike personally, he's a good kid, Mm -hmm. kids still get the drive and hunger. And I don't know, I mean, if he could do it over again, maybe he would, but you know, sometimes you, you hit, sometimes you miss. AJ clearly was a hit. And Mike Kimball, I get that. When I, when I saw him fight the first couple of times, when I interviewed him, I was like, "Woo, this guy's a star. Didn't pan out. He, cha- I think he changed camps. I think he moved to Florida, right? I think he's at Stanford now. Is that true? Or am I making that up? Do we know? Are you sure? I mean, he's still he's still pretty local in New okay. England. Like, I know he does camps kind of all around. Him and MVP are, are super close now. Okay. So I know they do a bunch of different things together. So he's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Is he, was, is he still in Bellator? pretty sure no oh they released them okay yeah, they, i know they did that big sweeping like remember that they released ricky bandejas and i thought i remember mike kimball being in that so they released a few names that i thought had big uh big potential like ricky bandejas i guess maybe they just didn't see a like he's not gonna fight for the title anytime soon but he has that big win over gallagher that they kept kind of milking yeah. for a while but putting him on these like the dublin cards and everything so but i yeah mike kimball i can't even remember his last fight but he's fantastic on the mic and him and james gallagher got in a fight in that lobby that one time <laughs> and james gallagher gets under my skin a lot in terms of how he talks trash not that he is talking trash but i just some of it is a little weird to me i but he's a fantastic fighter don't agree with Mike Kimball's art. Do you remember what he was saying? Mike Kimball was said some terrible things to James Gallagher in that trash talk. I was it was it was kind of disgusting. Anyway, yeah, all right. Anyway, a lot of Mike Kimball talk today. <laughs> That's right. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Invicta to pay-per-view. Any thoughts on Invicta FC moving to pay-per-view and whether you think it's the right move? I was honestly a little disappointed. I haven't missed an Invicta show in years, but there's no way I'm going to pay extra money to watch a feeder promotion for the UFC, especially when Fight Pass is giving me multiple cards every weekend with similar level. Question from Muff Daddy on the site. Casey, uh, I'm sure you want to talk about Invicta FC moving to pay-per-view. What are your thoughts? Uh, Bad. It sucks. Shouldn't do it. Um, Mm -hmm. No, don't. Um, Stop it. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> that's all. Uh, I I get I I I I don't know. Their own. Their people have to remember. Acts, I'm sorry. Um, Invicta FC is not run by Shannon Knapp. I mean, she Shannon Knapp is kind of like the president now, but she doesn't run. She is not mm-hmm. the final uh, whatever the final decision maker for Invicta FC now. It is Access or Anthem or something like that. Whatever whatever that company is. And um, they do, and um, they think pay-per-view is the way to make this business and make a more profitable business. It's $20. I mean, that's a lot of money for, like this, like this Muff Daddy said, it, Invicta isn't, uh, for a while, Invicta was like a premier league for uh, lady fighting. But when they signed a fight pass and sold, you know, their entire strawweight roster to the UFC, they became a feeder league. And um, that's what they are. Unfortunately for them, no matter what they want to tell us, they are a feeder league to bigger organizations. And people aren't going to pay 20 bucks, especially when there's like 10,000 other things we have to pay for and streaming services. So um, good luck, Invicta. I'm, I'm bummed. Mike, I'm going to rephrase the question. Should Invicta FC embrace the feeder system uh, ideology or should they continue to try to stand out on their own? I think they can do a little of both. Mm-hmm. And I think they've, they've tried to do that for, for, for several years. The sale obviously happened. It helped out the company. But I think, you know, Anthem being in the MMA space now, I think this is a scientific I think this is a scientific move. They're they're taking a shot and trying to gauge interest. Like maybe twenty dollars is just kind of like the standard price point. Maybe they'll they'll see how they do and maybe they'll tone it down. Maybe they'll think this is a we'll never do the pay per view again. I think this is going to be more of a learning experience for them. Like just see how it does, see what the interest is. Will people pony up the extra money to watch this product? And I will say this. There have been very few times in my MMA fandom where an Invicta card, where I left an Invicta card saying, man, that wasn't that good. They're usually very good. And I think they can get some of the hardcore fans involved. And if the hardcore fans get involved and they can talk about how good the the pay-per-view was and, you know, maybe it does something for them. But I think this is more of just a trial run and just see how it does. And I I don't think this will be the only pay-per-view they do, but 
this could be the only pay-per-view they do at 20 bucks a pop in the u.s i will say that so i think this is just a wait and see we'll see how we do and go from there kind of a thing i don't think it's anything like setting us up for a permanent move at this price point and doing a pay-per-view every month or or anything like that i think this is just right now a one-time thing see how we do and go from there yeah i always our, our former colleague pizza carol always made the analogy that like if you look at cage warriors like they are in all sense a feeder system into the ufc if you win the cage warriors championship you are going to the ufc uh so when there is a championship match or fight how whatever however you want to phrase it that european scene like shuts down like they it, it, everyone is all in on those fights can Invictus FC do that? I don't know. I think that's just kind of a regional thing with Cage Warriors because, like, the European scene has very few – has less options for high-level martial arts, and Cage Warriors kind of seems – like, I know Bellator does a lot, but, like, when – who was it? Ian Gary and Jack Grant fought for – I can't remember – I don't remember which weight class. So I think it was the welterweight title, like, recently. Everyone I know in Europe was tweeting about that fight. Can Invictus FC do that in America? Not sure. Uh, I don't think putting it behind a pay paywall is the way to go, but – curious to see how it works out yeah and especially I, unless unless Invictor is going to really up their production value or they're going to sign like a page van zant to fight i don't yeah. know um the I last mean, i mean you're, the you're basically telling fans here pay 20 bucks for the same exact thing last week it was free to me and without there's it's the same roster i don't know the same production value i don't know what they're i don't know what you're getting for 20 bucks that you didn't get for free right. last week is I don't know enough. Know. I don't know enough about television production. I'm sure you guys know, like Mike, you know, obviously know much more about radio production than me. Casey, you know, know much more about television production is Invicta FC. When you watch it, is it a high quality television production or are there a lot of things you're just like, what's going on here, guys? A lot of things. What's going on here, guys? Mm hmm. And that's unfortunate because I feel for the, the top of their card. I'm not going to talk about the bottom of their cards because the bottom of their cards sure, are very. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking, you know, the, the top of the cards. These are UFC Bellator level fighters. I mean, these are world class mm -hmm. fighters at the top of the cards. Unfortunately, and this is a lot of it's just budgetary reasons, the production value doesn't equal the quality of the fights in there. So. Yeah. I love the I fight church, though. Big fan. Yeah, of yeah, I, I like the venue. Yeah, the venue is great, but you still have to. Great. Yeah, I like their Phoenix series uh, events. There, that one, those one night tournaments. I like those a lot. Uh, I think they. Well, Kayla Harrison fought in no, last November, right? Uh huh. Like she just she had like a one off fight. Like that's that was a forty five. Was She came down the forty five too. So that was a big. That was a big deal. So I think they can clearly pull off like big moves like that. I just I, what Casey said, production value wise, I think they could clean up a bit anyway. Anyway. Uh, but that's not always their fault. Anyway, biggest UFC stars setting setting aside Conor McGregor. Who are the five biggest stars in the UFC going forward? Which of them are currently having issues with the <laughs> UFC brass? <sighs> wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> we're gonna we're just gonna rattle off five outside of Conor. Number one, I mean, I'm not even gonna say I'm not even gonna rank them. These are just all off the top of my head. Probably Jorge Masvidal, probably Nate Diaz, probably Nick Diaz whenever he returns. John Jones is still a star. Yep. I'm just going to group the Diaz brothers as one 
because they have, you know they're you know they're big they have they're casual zone they have a ve- they have a very loyal fan base and then like Francis and Kamaru could be or could obviously be mega stars Dustin Poirier right now just headlines one of the biggest pay per views ever. You didn't even say Izzy. Wow, Izzy hasn't even made that list yet. Yeah, Izzy's. I think Izzy's. 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 Izzy's almost got to see the table. He's got like ten minutes think, until he, he gets sad. I agree. I think he is right there, right at the cusp of being that. Uh, because I think like all these people, I like Francis. I think is just like the heavyweight champion of the world has an entire country behind him. This and that, like. Being the heavyweight champion and having like the touch of death is enough to make you a star. Um, Kamaru, I think what we were talking about could be the greatest welterweight ever, like eventually. And then the Diaz brothers and, and Jorge, they have a fan base that's like they do no wrong. Like they're similar to like when, when Connor loses, they're like, oh, if there were two more rounds, he would have <laughs> won. You know, like not they have the most loyal fans in the world. I think Izzy is getting there. I think he's one big name. Like if he had won the the if he had beat Jan, I think that would have been. A, I think he would have been there. Uh, I think he needed that maybe that John Jones fight or I, think, I don't know. There's one one. He's one big mega fight star away fight opponent away from being having a seat at that table. Hey, if, and if if he would have had a strong round five, he actually wins that fight. The, yeah. I think two two judges had a two two going into the fifth. Yeah, so one hundred percent. That's that's. And I'm, he, I'm saying he's he is a star in his region. Clearly, like uh, they're like I I can't remember I can't remember who said it, but someone asked like uh, I think it was on Reddit. Someone posted like people that live in Australia, New Zealand. How big of a deal are Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya? And they said they see Israel Adesanya on billboards and commercials, and they see Robert Whitaker, but not as much as Izzy. They see Izzy everywhere. Like on like they'll see Robert Whitaker on like sports commercials and stuff, but they'll see Izzy on like like the Puma stuff and the, the cross promotional stuff. Uh, ben Simmons is similar because I watched a stream of a basketball game and it was like the Australia feed, and Ben Simmons was everywhere. Like same things. So ben, do you know who Ben Simmons is, Casey? I've heard the name before. Basketball? Ben Simmons is, yeah, he is a very good basketball player who gets a lot of hate from basketball fans for various reasons. But he's from Australia and he's okay. a big deal in Australia. Um, I in America though, if we're talking worldwide, I think Izzy is like one performance, one massive performance away on a massive card from being that generational star. I That's just I'm, my opinion. I though. think unfortunately for Izzy, I think uh, the pandemic and COVID really uh, stunted a lot of um, his uh, popularity, and that's just you know that's just how the that's how it works. Let me throw a couple of names at you guys, and and, mm-hmm. and let me see where you put them. Tony Ferguson, he's a star, popular, but- not a star. Very popular, but not a star. Because when you're when you're there live. You can't hear him talk how, how, the, how loud the arena gets. But I don't think he's translates to a mega star. You're not going to put him on like billboards and stuff, cross promotional. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Anyway, go on. Michael Michael Chandler, on his way. On his way. Rose Namajunas. If she fought more frequently. Rose, she, she had the potential to be. 
mm-hmm. think um, unfortunately just um not unfortunate it's just who she is personality wise um she doesn't have the prize fighter personality to get to that next level um that but skill wise of course she should be a star and i think oh yeah just, and the way you just the way she fights the way she looks i think everything's about star but uh i think unfortunately if if rose if rose had just a little i don't want to say fake it but a little more media savvy if she if she wanted to be in front of the camera more um then she could be i think that's part of her appeal though i agree I think what I think what set her back is her back-to-back fights against Joanna, where Joanna was being that over the top. Because Casey, do you remember when uh, we had Hurricane Helms on this fight on the show, and we asked him like which fighters cut the best promos, and he named a bunch of fighters, but they were all male fighters. And then I said, who cuts the best? Fe- which female fighter cuts the best promo? And we all agreed it was Joanna at the time. So she was being that over the top character, and it was the per- and Rose was the perfect antithesis to it. That rivalry right there if rose had just fought again rather than taking like a year and a half off i think she could have been a star but remember she took that huge yeah. long gap and then got dropped on her head it's all timing too like you said if izzy hadn't been hit by the pandemic he could be a star if izzy had gone out there and wheel kicked yola romero he would be a star i think that fight was to set up izzy to be a mega star especially because the fight was in the united states um but yeah i think it's a lot of timing too and these with these performances like I think Brandon Moreno's on his way, and I think oh, time was perfect oh, for yeah. him. Yeah. That was just a war- perfect storm of you, you know between the say, fight of the year and then winning the title. Like that six month stretch was massive for him. Sounds like he could be the breakthrough fight of the year in 2021, right, Mike? It's very possible. Very and possible. It's, and it's too bad too because pandemic screws things up again, even for Moreno. Because imagine go to they, they could go to Mexico City, do Moreno. Mm-hmm. They could do Moreno, throw a bunch of cash at Henry Cejudo, Moreno Cejudo in Mexico City. Boom. I mean, as far as just like that, that to make to get to get one of those guys over and get that kind of think big Henry, star level. Henry wouldn't Henry wouldn't take that fight, even for all that money. Well, okay, well, whatever. Just what I'm saying, <laughs> Moreno Moreno has a personality, the fighting style, to to be a giant star but he needs to fight in mexico mm-hmm. city he needs to fight in a big a big arena in mexico that's all um, texas i think he could do big in texas because mexico yep. texas fan base is has a, obviously texas has a massive mexican fan base but if you put texas, him in like texas is mexico i'm from texas that's we stole it from you mexico got, <laughs> you did you guys won the war i know um but you know but but, 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 but back to this question the, the biggest stars in ufc I know it sounds kind of weird to say, but uh, Habib, Ronda, Habib, Ronda, and GSP <laughs> still. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously you I can mean, put I mean, those that, on. That, like that, Brock that, Lesnar, the second Brock Lesnar comes back, he's that, clearly that's like what I mean. top that, three. That, so there's something, I don't know, there's something still weird about that. I mean, but anything it, in like Kimbo Slice is still a bigger star than like 90% of the UFC roster. 95 <laughs> yeah 95% like Chuck Liddell if he fights if he if, if he ever fights again he's obviously he's already a bigger star than 95% of the UFC it's just how it is like I remember I was talking with someone this past week that worked that like covers a lot of Bellator and works with, like has like behind the scenes of Bellator stuff and he was saying that the Kimbo I can't remember if it was Kimbo Dada or Kimbo Shamrock I think it was Kimbo Shamrock to this day is the highest ratings Bellator has ever done by like 
astronomical. Same with tough. Like nothing. Yeah. Same with tough. Like it is in another hemisphere. Like they can't even count that because it excuse the numbers too much. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's how big of a deal Kimbo Slice still is, and he's passed away. All they right. do a memorial service for him every single year on his anniversary. Like the UFC, will like a mem- remembrance of Kimbo Slice. <laughs> Bellator does it. Like fighters talk about him still. It makes a big was, deal. I was at every single Kimbo Slice fight except for his tough fights, which I wasn't allowed at. But he was, was a very first fight ni- to his very last fight. He was a very nice man. I interviewed him once, and he was very nice. I went. To, I went to. I went to a, um, a pre-fight um, house party he had um, before um, his unfortunate loss to, uh, for him for, to Seth Petrozelli. I went to his home, met his family, and all this stuff. It was fun. I met Matt. That was the first time I met Mask from uh, uh, late. Oh Mask. wow! I yeah. never met Mask. <laughs> That's awesome. R.I.P. Oh, long, long question. Good lord. Nickname fails from <laughs> Jose Young's Bill Cosby sweater <laughs> on the side. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for it to get cooler outside so I can bust that bad Larry out. Totally unrelated to anything current. What is up with some of these lame nicknames? Blonde Fighter, The Leech. Take Neil Magny, for example. No nickname for years and now starts calling himself the Haitian sensation. What the heck is that? <laughs> we have to do better. Neil, you fight for, out of Colorado. The same place as Nate the Great Markar. How about you stick with the theme and call yourself the Magnificent Neil Magny? Oh, I love that. Uh, that Lee Julian. That is good. Uh, Lee Julian, you have too much swag to call yourself the lead. That literally sucks. (laughs) Lee, Lee, Uncle L, Julian. What's Uncle L mean? And his walkout song could be, oh, I get it because like LL Cool J. That is amazing. Oh, my God. And his walkout song is LL Cool J's Jingling Baby, which would be the same line, Uncle L, the future of the funk, the Julian baby, go ahead, go ahead, baby. Oh, man, this guy's <laughs> nailing it. I know. Do you feel me? What's the fighter nickname? In your, <laughs> what is, what's the fighter, nick, fighter nickname in your opinion and what, which are the best? Sweater, sweater out. Well done, Jango. This is a fantastic. We've had this question. We had a similar question about uh, nicknames before when we had Andre Feely and Uriah Faber on this show. Audrey, obviously, yeah. Andre Fletcher Feely and the California kid Uriah Faber. Uh, Mike, two, I think we can all agree the magnificent Neil Magny kind of snuck up on us, and that is a 10 out of 10 nickname. I will no longer start call Lee Julian the leech. He is literally Uncle L for the rest of time. <laughs> You know, I was down with the leech till he made his argument. I was like, the leech is a good name. I was like, oh, you know what? You're right. See, yeah. here's what here's what social media should be, guys. You you present an idea. You don't attack anybody. You present an idea and you back it up with fact based science that you can't <laughs> refute. Science. Take, oh, take science. my Bill Cosby science, baby. So anyway, Mike, twofold question because we can already agree everything else we presented is ten out of ten ideas. Uh, best fighter nickname, worst fighter nickname. I mean, I think he, I mean, what else can I add to this? Like this, it was just so good. This is like one of those, this is one of those listener questions that like needs no answer. Like it's just yeah. done. We could just walk so, away and end the show you know, right now. It's You know how the co-main of our, our friends over at the co-main event co- podcast, Chad and Ben, they're the ones that started Bobby Knuckles. Yes. Yeah. They started that. We're um, starting it right a here. Much Uncle better L. nickname than Mr. Doctor. Was it the Reaper? The <laughs> Reaper. Reaper. The Reaper. <laughs> Mr. Reaper. Mr. Reaper would be amazing. <laughs> Bobby Knuckles I mean, is a great I, name. 
I think the one that sticks out to me just because you don't call him by his name anymore is one. I mean, Wonder Boy just sticks out. I mean, yeah. he's just Wonder Boy. He like, looks, I, and, he and that's, like- yeah, I, I think that's, it, it doesn't get much better than that. Cause like, you don't even call him, like, you don't even call him Stephen Thompson. You call him Wonder Boy. Like, mm-hmm. you don't call him by his first or last name. And when you do that, that's always the, the sign of a great nickname. So I'll go with Wonder Boy just because it's, it's just, it's just there and everybody calls him that. And, you know, I like Pori. I like the, the diamonds. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the notorious Conor McGregor is a good That's one. That's a great nickname. That, Fantastic. That uh, is a perfect nickname, to be honest. I, if anyone El- has, if anyone has a more perfect nickname, it might be Conor McGregor, to be honest. <laughs> yeah and i love el kahui too i think that's just like it works i don't even know him. what it means but it just it means it, just it, it like means el kahui means the boogeyman in spanish see so el kahui is what mexican mothers tell their kids before they go to bed so you don't get out of bed or el kahui will pull you under the bed I have been saying for years that the fact that there is not a Mexican female fighter that doesn't go by La Llorona is a travesty because anyone that grew up in a Mexican household, that name sends shivers down your spine. Like I get PTSD because it's another boogeyman score story where this weeping woman comes out of the water and pulls you into the water and drowns you for getting out of bed at night. Like, good God. Like I want Tatiana Suarez to go by La Llorona because she drowns you in there so badly and but to each their own to each their own some great nicknames actually ronda rousey rowdy Mm -hmm. ronda rousey perfect nickname um i think actually i think izzy has a great nickname the last style bender yeah Yeah. i think that works perfect for him. that is very unique uh great television show uh i like i like the bullet for Valentina Shevchenko. Valentina, just, especially because she has a gun tattoo. Oh, yeah. Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse great is a good nickname. one. I think Game, I think Game Bread is a great nickname for I think it works uh, great uh-huh. for Horror Masvidal. For him? Yeah. Yeah, um, also has it tattooed on his throat. Yeah. Uh, listen. How about how about the James Krause? Nope. Don't like that one. <laughs> the Assassin, um, comma, baby. <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's what I want Brandon Moran to change his name to. I also was a big fan when I was before I was in the, uh, a journalist. I loved the Dean of Mean because it just rhymed with Keith Jardine. That worked. That was a good one. Um, but, uh, not to be negative, but I have such a giant issue with how bad Caitlin Chikagian's nickname is. The blind fighter. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay, I get it. But <laughs> every time I was like, oh, all right. Um, yeah, those those are some good. Well ones. done, well done, Mister oh, Sweater. A great nickname, the Kickass Machine. But the but the Bellator, mm. Jason Jackson, yeah. Bellator. The ass kicking. Oh, ass kicking machine. The ass kicking machine. The kickass machine. The kicking ass machine. There you go, up and coming fighters. Kickass machine is there. For the <laughs> there, <taking>. take it. <laughs> the last emperor is a good one too for Fedor. Oh, yeah. yeah. Crow cop, like no one calls him Mirko Flipovich. Oh yeah, like yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of some ones where you kind of remember, like King Mo, Rampage, like, yeah, Rampage, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, Gilbert Melendez was Gilbert Melendez Gilbert Melendez El Nino. That El one Nino, rules. yeah, that one rules. And you, you know what that's that means? Too. That's Spanish for the Nino. <laughs> it is. Too many hurricanes. If your first name is Shane, you're gonna your nickname is apparently Hurricane. Oh, <laughs> there's a list of names that we have to. 
they're done. Like pit some, bulls, some of done. them. We're pit bull. Pit bulls, right? There should be no more pit bulls, but like Petrusu pit bulls and Petruki pit bull are great because you call them the pit bull pit bull yeah, brothers. That works for them. Yeah. Great. No more assassins unless you can like, like the assassin baby or like if 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 Kaylin Chukagian was like the blonde assassin, that would be kind of funny to me. Yeah. You know, describe set yourself apart from your fellow assassins. I'm blonde and I'm a fighter. I like Eddie Alvarez's too, by the way. Underground King, yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah, huh? That's a good one. Yeah. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. With Tatiana Suarez once again getting hurt and having to pull from a fight, should Roxanne want to still be on the card and take a fight? Also, if Roxanne wants to remain on the card, does Roxanne versus Maverick make sense? Does the judges robbed her against Barber, a step out from the competition? Well, I like Roxanne versus Miranda Maverick. I mean, I don't hate that fight at all. But if it is entirely this this whole should she want, should she, will she thing, that is entirely up to Roxy. Like, if she doesn't want, like, speaking of good nicknames the happy warrior is a great nickname for roxanne modafari um go. i have no it is entirely up to roxanne as a fighter as a, as a fight fan i hope she stays on the card because i enjoy watching her fight and i like roxanne modafari fight weeks uh but mike if so taking that should she stay on the card take that part out because it's not up to us do you like the roxanne miranda maverick fight sure I mean, from from what I what I've been told, the plan is to keep her on the card. She wants cool. to stay on the card. Uh, she doesn't care who the opponent is, and they're trying to work that out right now. So expect her to fight on that card. Yeah, I like the Miranda Maverick idea. If they want to do the Macy Barber rematch, I'm cool with that too. Um, Won't happen. Won't happen. Probably not. Roxanne Modify was on this very program saying, and PC Carroll at the time was like, maybe we get the rematch between Macy and Roxanne in the future. And Roxanne was like, no, don't need to. So unless for the title, I don't think that fight will ever happen again. Nah, yeah, touche. Um, I like now. To be I fair, mean, I would. I wouldn't is, say I, mean, I would like that rematch. I'm just taking it from Roxanne's point of view. Yeah, I mean, I I think Miranda Maverick makes makes a lot of sense. You could do that one. Um, sure. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I don't I think, know what other fights think, really stick I out. I think Roxy understands at this point of her career that's what the promotion is going to use her as to to. She's kind of you know. She's that gatekeeper, you know, like you got to beat Roxy to be considered a contender. And I think Tatiana Suarez, that's, you know, it was obviously a big layoff. Tatiana Suarez, I'm so, we'll talk about her injury later. But uh, we're going to talk, we, we're no. going to wait till our colleague Alex Savage is on the show to talk about Tatiana. She, <laughs> that's like her, that's her girl. Yeah. Uh, what about yeah, Sajar Eubanks? Ooh, they already fought in Madison Square Garden. But Sajar or didn't just wait. Do that rematch, or you could do Montana De La Rosa. 
Maverick cool. is it, coming off a big win. Yeah, Maverick is the one that makes the most sense because it's the easiest storyline. Can you know it's easy storyline because you know people you know ninety nine point nine nine percent people think that Maverick won that fight, so yep. it's a good kind of look. It, it's the UFC almost kind of rewarding her victory. You know, what about uh, giving her the victory? What about Blonde Fighter? Does she have a fight coming up? She wants blonde to fight like Blonde every Assassin. Week. The Blonde Assassin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> No, nothing on the books. So yeah, she wants she wants to fight like every week. I don't think like, the UFC wants, I, I don't if, think if the you, UFC wants to book her every week. No, no. <laughs> Julian Robertson suspended, right? Unfortunately, or is that over? Uh, I'm not really sure. Okay, because Roxanne Modafari, Julian Robertson, and Callan Chukagian are tied for the most fights in UFC flyweight history. Yeah, they say so they. they she was brought at the last Nevada commission meeting. It was literally like minutes after they said, Hey, if you, we're not going to test for marijuana anymore or you can't get in trouble for it anymore. And then literally three minutes later, they suspended Julian Robertson for a past right. test. So, uh, yeah. but they didn't give a time frame, So we don't know how long that suspension is. I'm sure it's not going to be like a, 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 an, ex, an insane amount of time. So yeah. if she's available in September, yeah, that works too. I hope Roxy's on the card and um, yeah, Maverick seems to be a fight that makes a lot of sense. Neato. The steep. Uh, we already did that one. Sorry, that's another steep one. Here we go. With Usman Covington two happening at MSG, does the UFC most likely put Masvidal versus Nate two as the co-main? Or first of all, Nate, Jorge, and Nate are never going to be co-main. So Kamaru or Colby Covington as the co-main, <laughs> or go with someone like Brandon Moreno on the co-main event with the largest Mexican, large Mexican population at NYC. I would hazard a guess that they'll do Islam and Dan Hooker in the co-main event. And put Brad Riddell, Gregor Gillespie on that card too. If they can get Hooker over with um, COVID restrictions, yeah. That's I think well because Brad Riddell is in the same uh, camp. I know they want to fight like Dan Hooker wants to fight in the same car as a teammate. Gregor Gillespie is from New York, uh, so I'm sure he's going to want to fight at MSG. And Islam, of course, like has they have the big Russian population in New York. They want to make him a star. So if he's looking for a fight, RDA or, or Hooker. Islam would be a good fight, but uh, uh, Islam RDA seems to be the fight that's happening. So whatever, any of those. But there's zero chance Jorge and Nate take second seed into Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington. Yeah. I I think we will see. Nice try. No, we won't see that. I think we will see a second title fight. I think we'll see Rose Namajunas defend her title against somebody mm-hmm. on that card. Whether they do the rematch with Zhang or they do Don't the Esparza fight, I think that's that, that's the direction they'll go. Right. Love it. All right, now we're going to go to the comments. So let's try to fly through these. Oh, I'll try my best. I saw somebody tweeted me asking me if I get comic books on Wednesday. The answer is no. I don't really read anything current right now. Nothing really is captivating me. All right, here we go. Let me answer that because I knew Casey was going to pull it up. Boston <laughs> Do you think Bellator should add a female Atomweight division Yup yep. I don't care who adds it I don't care if it's the UFC or Bellator I think a, a, a top MMA promotion Should add the 105 division what, who, Which one it is Is irrelevant to me I just want one of them to add it They better move fast I think, yeah, UFC, like, I think the it. UFC and Bellator should add a female Adam sure. division. I I agree. I just don't know how big the the fighter pool is. So if I don't want them to like water down one of them by taking from the other. So if you can just get all the Adam weights in one promotion, the top Adam weights, I'm fine with that. If there's money, they will. That's come. fine. That is fine. I'm just saying, like like straw weight, you, like all out of the gate, the UFC had the best straw weight division. Anyway, should another question from Four Corners Sports? This team in the YouTube comments. 
Should Francis and Stipe just fight in December since there's no news of any main event for the December pay-per-view card? And should the UFC throw an ultimatum like you find December? If not, oh, well. Well, it's not even August yet. So I can't imagine the UFC is going to be targeting a December main event right now. Uh, and would the UFC throw an ultimatum? They could. They've done it a million times with yeah. a million different other fighters. So, like, too early for a December main event. And, throw, oh, the December paper, like, we've already heard. Doesn't Poirier and Charles want to fight on that card? Didn't they both say December 2021? Both of them. That's so like, there possible. Go. Yeah. There you go. And if Fran- and I think Francis Francis could very well end up on that card against the winner of Gon and Lewis. So. Sure. Yeah, I think the heavyweight title fights, the heavyweight title is the only one that would put over Charles and Dustin just because it's like the heavyweight title. And I think both of them would agree with that. It's, it's yep. more money in their pockets. More money, way more money in their pockets. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And, and Dustin gets that. Dustin is like, yeah. <laughs> 100%. So, uh, and yeah. Charles, is, Charles is a very competitive individual. And so uh, he's going to fight whoever, whenever. Cool, cool. Thoughts on potential of Usman Nurmagomedov from Takiro Man 91 on YouTube. So I, when I was on Fight Island, I was speaking with a lot of the Russian media and a lot of the other Russians that were there because, of course, there was a lot, like, there was a lot of uh, Dagestani fighters in that, in that scene uh, there fighting on that card because there was also – oh, man, um, not brave. Uh, what's, the, what's the other re- uh, Middle Eastern – uh, fights UAW, that the Warriors you, the Warriors card that happened like that week too so a lot of them were there um, from what I've heard Islam has a brighter future than is is like has a brighter future than Habib in terms of fighting skills like he is more like in the gym people can see he has more he might have more talent at, at Habib's age but from everything I've heard Usman Nurmagomedov has like the brightest future of anyone in that camp like his striking is like already top level and if you just add the grappling of habib and islam it like good luck stopping that guy but habib and his like because habib talked about it while we were on fight island i think i saw scrolling them before he is all in favor of the slow burn for uzman uzman Nurmagomedov. he does not want him thrown to the wolves now he wants a slow build up for him uh because he's he goes like someone asked him go oh what if he fights yan russia versus russia he's like we're not talking about it. He has like so many fights before he can get to the title. But from everything I heard, Usman Nurmagomedov has the brightest future. Yep, I spoke with him yesterday. As a matter of fact, we so have an interview about soon him. on MMA fighting, yeah. and he he agrees with that sentiment. I asked him like, if you go out there and beat Manny Murrow, do you think you'll be top ten in the rankings? And he said, probably not. And that's fine. I'm eventually going to smash all these guys anyway. So um, I love the matchmaking. I think they're doing a great job. Matching him up with a guy like Mike Hamill, who is so tough to put away, and then putting him in there with a guy like Manny Murrow, who also is very durable and seems to be in a great mindset right now. He's overcome a lot. I think this is going to get him just valuable cage experience. Like he's used to finishing, Usman's used to finishing fights so quickly. The Mike Hamill fight he got a lot of experience from. I think he'll get a lot of equal experience against a guy like Manny Murrow, who's really tough to put away, especially in this mind frame. So I love the matchmaking. It's perfect. And I expect uh, I expect a 15-minute or so showcase out of out of Usman Nurmagomedov on Saturday. Manny's tough, man. I like Manny a lot, but Usman is – I mean, we know why this fight is on the card. We know why it's on the main card. This is going to be a chance for Usman to show all of his skills for 15 minutes. All right. 
Uh, this question could take a while to answer, but uh, just, <laughs> just try to get through it quick. <laughs> the UFC doesn't the trade with Juan for Stipe. Who do you th- <laughs> see the UFC taking? Damn. From, from one? Marias. You have sure. to get a couple of guys. A couple of, I wouldn't say Marias because Marias, like, he, doesn't, he barely does any media in the UFC. That's what the UFC is all about. And Stipe does? That's, that's why the UFC wants to get rid of him. Yeah. That's, that's uh, I don't know. There's no one like Ben Askren over at one right now. That's like the that you know can immediately be inserted in and and sell a fight. Like maybe the 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 Lee the Lee siblings, but uh, maybe. I but mean, they're not big like they're not big fight sellers either. Like I, like their skills their skills pay the bills. They're not big like trash talkers. Uh, but I think um, I think I think the way they fight and just the the looks of them. Um, I think it would work. I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just trying to put some names out there, but it, 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 one would have to give up a lot. <laughs> but, it would. Also, but maybe, I Stipe, think maybe UFC is trying to get rid of Stipe. I don't know. It'd be weird. It's just. Um, I have no idea. To be honest. Uh, who's that? Uh, I can't believe I'm not thinking of it. Who's that? Like, who's a huge dude that only has like three fights? Rug rug came over. Rug rug. Yeah. Uh, just oh, lost. he lost. Rug, he got yeah. punched in the throat or something. It was a weird yeah, fight. Yeah. Well, bring him in. He's an attraction. You know, yeah, just how about him we, slowly. Just rug, let's bring do him a, rug, rug. Let's do like a three promotion trade like they do in, oh, pro- in other <laughs> professional sports, you know? Like, well, that's what I mean. I, I, it's like we're running out of time, and like, I was like, oh, this question is going to take forever to answer once no. we start getting yeah. our minds going. That's a just whole show us, right there. Yeah, it's a whole show. The UFC can get the. We'll do like this big, like, roundabout thing. The UFC, well, like, Stipe can go to one. And then Kyoji Horiguchi can come to the UFC, and then someone goes to Ryzen from Bellator, from like Bellator or someone else. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Thoughts on Lobos retirement? So it's not official yet. I don't know if you guys saw this, but after Artem uh, lost his bare knuckle fight, this most his his bare knuckle fight last Friday, he announced he would most likely retire, but. Uh, he hasn't really said anything since and that was like immediately after the fight and you know your mind kind of goes somewhere else after the fight so if he does retire under 500 record in like two different sports and people still talk about him good on you man you artem lobov is a great prize fighter 100 percent, awesome prize fighter does anyone think lauren murphy can beat valentina shevchenko in the upcoming fight she could but i obviously favor valentina it doesn't matter because she is the rightful number one contender. So it doesn't matter. She's getting in there and she's going to try to do her best. It doesn't freaking matter. She earned that yep. spot. That's all. I think her dur- yeah. I, I think her durability and the ability in, in Lauren's ability to finish fights, not just not, I don't mean like finish like stop fights. I mean, just her ability to go the distance no matter what happens. Yeah makes her very dangerous. makes her interesting in this yeah. fight I makes her durability durability and ch- and your chin health is a, is a extremely useful tool in that fist fight yeah and, and i know, has, I, I know it was just oh, one yeah. round i know i know valentina didn't take any damage but if jennifer maya can hold valentina down for five minutes you know then laura murphy can and she ha- she only has to do it for 15 minutes and just survive 10 yeah. other minutes so that's all i'm saying Lauren Murphy also has the ability to make her take her opponents completely out of her game, which is also a skill. Don't know if Lauren, if Valentin is one of those fighters that will fall into that trap. I highly doubt it. But durability is going to be the the game changer for Lauren Murphy. Yep. Hey, and um, 
no one's no one's walked through Lauren Murphy in her whole career. No one's just walked through it. So mm. um, I, I like the fight. I don't know why fans hate it, but I like fight. it. Makes sense to me. Uh, it's la, la, la. the only thing they just wanted. Yeah, I think they just wanted the Amanda fight. I think that's literally just it. I don't think it's anything against Lauren. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I hope they gave. Cupcake and they gave Cupcake and Cookie Monster some nickname love. Uh, Misha Tate got the Cupcake nickname after one of her Strike Force fights, right? Because she was eating a cupcake and they caught it on camera. No, she had it before. That's that's why she was eating the cupcake. Is that it? Yeah. And then Cookie Monster, uh, it, Carla Sparza, awesome, love yeah, it. It works for her. That's a good one. Uh, la la la. Love me some dessert flavored, dessert centric <laughs> nicknames. <laughs> How likely is it that Pitbull McKee will become a trilogy? Wow, man, the first fight has to happen first, man. Yeah, I mean, that, that is not a Jose question. <laughs> That's not a Jose question. You know what? I want, I want to say trilogy, but they will fight two times. I will say yeah. they will at least fight two times yeah. at some point. And I think if, if, if Bellator has – everything goes right for Bellator, McKee wins this Saturday, and then they rematch at 55 – for the uh, for yep. the lightweight belt, that's I think is McKee, the perfect that's the perfect scenario I think for Coker. Yeah, but yeah, McKee winning on Saturday makes it much more likely. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah. Do do do. Um, there's no. There, there should be a question now, mark. I didn't. Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, oh. He he didn't. He, Pitbull versus McKee. Could he fight? Like, say McKee loses, goes up, fights Patricky Pitbull wins and the patricio goes i have to so that's three pitbull fights in a row just two of them happen to be against patricio one of them could be against patricky you didn't specify well yeah it's a dangerous I, fight. that's not yeah yeah if mckee loses and goes it winds, winds up going up yeah if, and then and then smashes his brother you know patricio's gonna want revenge at 155 and that sells that makes sense that would, that would mm-hmm. be a fight that makes sense um Rise fighting yeah, this next comment doesn't ha- it needs to have a question mark on the end because they say it's a statement but i think it's more of a question <sighs> Leon Edwards is getting screwed by the UFC. See? <laughs> Mom. I don't know. Man. I know I know Mike, you're 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 pro this you're pro you like the Colby fight, right? I saw Yeah, I, I prefer the Colby fight over over the Leon fight. And it's uh, listen, I get it. I get why people are up in arms about Leon not getting a title shot. But he has admitted himself that this is partially his fault. It was, you know, he could have fought sooner and it would have been, it would have been tough. It would have been tough for him to fight Kamaru Usman on short notice on Fight Island instead of Mazadal. He had to say no. He turned on other fights along the way. So he would admit that part of this problem is his, is on him. And then the Nate Diaz opportunity comes along and you have a chance. They put you in a position to shine, to, to, to showcase yourself, to earn that shot. You just went out there. I mean, he, he, it was a fine performance. Like he won the fight gets the second paycheck or whatever, but no one left that fight thinking, you know what? Got to give Leon Edwards the next title shot. He beat Col- he, he earned it over Colby. No, it just didn't happen that way. So part of it's on him. Like you can make the argument that he's partially getting screwed by the UFC, but I'm sorry, man. Like the, the Bilal thing happened, bad luck. It sucked. The Nate thing happened. You almost got stopped at the end of that fight. I'm sorry. You got to You got to win one more fight. If fight we- Gilbert Burns. There you go. Then you if get Leon it. There's no in, doubt after that. If Leon had been Hamza, he would have got the title fight, though. Oh, for hell sure, yeah. I think. I, I, 
And Hamza would have got it if he beat Leon. It's yeah. insane. You know what? If Leon, but if Leon beats Gilbert Burns, but he doesn't beat him the way he should beat him, like the way makes Dana happy, he'll still be in the same position. Until Leon no, Edwards, I, I don't agree with I, that. I don't agree with that. You know, you 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 think you think there's Leon's at a point where if he just keeps winning, they have to give him a title shot. He's at the point where if if he beats Gilbert, there's nothing else left for him. Like beating like a no contest with Bilal and then beating Nate Diaz is not that, that that's not enough that's not enough for anybody. But that's a it just has, isn't. but that's a giant win streak he is on. That's what it's, it's right. a win but streak. But the names aren't that the, some of the names aren't just the strength of schedule is not that great. Jorge it just Ma- isn't. Because it's it's about it's about ticket sales. Hori Masvidal beat Nate Diaz gets a title shot. You know, so I mean they But he and Leon should Leon should reward Gilbert Burns because what if if, if Stephen Thompson had beat Gilbert Burns, Leon's even further back in the line now. So I mean that like Gilbert actually did Leon a favor, like go in there and fight Gilbert. There you go. He 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 knocked a contender out of your out of your path, and Gilbert will be just fine being that guy just thwarting off potential challenges for Usman until he gets his opportunity. He's fine. He's he's in no rush to get back to a title shot, Gilbert told me. He's happy playing the Chukagian role, just knocking off contenders. So you beat Gilbert Burns, I think that's enough. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's it. Now, if I'm Gilbert, I mean, it, it, you better hope Colby doesn't win because you know they're going to run that back a third time. But still, puts Leon in the better case scenario to get a title shot if he beats Gilbert. And do it this year, man. Get in there. Get another fight. Get another win. You can't be denied anymore. Uh, I think he's getting screwed. I, th- I just think the UFC I likes – I think the UFC loves Colby because he moves the needle. Um, they reward him for being inactive. They punish other fighters for being inactive. That's all. I just don't need – to me, it's just money. Leon Edwards doesn't make the UFC enough money, and that's it. Until he makes him enough money, I'm fine with. I would have been fine with either. I like both of them as high level martial arts fights. Uh, I much prefer the Leon Edwards, like because part of me, I do think wins and losses matter in a, in a, in a sport. So if you win a bunch of fights in a row, you should just be awarded based on merit. But again, this is a prize fight. They are prize fighters. Who makes the most money? Probably going to be Colby Covington. I also much prefer. Any other fight promotion, like promoting, I, I despise how Colby Covington promotes fights. I hate it, but I get why the UFC wants to push it. So if you're telling me as like a human being, much rather prefer the Leon Edwards build over the Colby Covington build. But uh, I think Colby Covington what's, could be the second best welterweight in the world. What's What's the biggest problem that fans see in the UFC? A lot of times, they don't have enough stars. Well, they're trying to build Usman as a star right now. That's mm-hmm. most as, as the first fight was phenomenal, and Colby very well could be the second best welterweight in the world. Hell, he could be the best welterweight in the world. We don't mm-hmm. know. We'll mm-hmm. find out in November. But this is a this is a fight solely made. I think the prime thing is to boost Usman's stock. Usman goes out there and beats Colby again, especially coming after that knockout, those back to back knockout wins earlier this year, especially the Mazadal knockout. Usman, in terms of being a star, is getting there too. Like when Jed Mishu said he's the breakout fighter of the year, he's not wrong. Like he's definitely in that conversation in terms of how people view him. And, you know, he's not the people don't view him as the boring wrestler anymore. He's the guy who's knocking the shit out of people. So, I mean, I think if he goes out there and knocks the shit out of Colby, 
he might he might even get a seat at that table right now. So this is a, a potential star building fight for Kamaru. And you can't put Kamaru versus Leon at MSG. You just can't. It's just not the kind of fight that sells out the garden. It just isn't. Let's let's also not forget that that fight is not technically official. That report came out, but like the UFC hasn't announced it yet. So part of me, when they announced it, I'm like, oh, I don't. Because remember, Kamara was tweeting like, been there, done that next about Colby Covington. Part of me wonders that Dana White just made it the announcement to put pressure on Kamara to take the fight. I don't know if that's the case, but that was my first thought. It's like when they announced Demetrius Johnson versus uh, Cody Garbrandt in Seattle. Didn't happen because Demetrius Johnson says, no, I didn't say yes to that and pushed back. Yeah, we confirm. I mean, I will say we, we, can, yes. we confirmed. Yeah, we confirmed mm-hmm. that the the location is the only thing that's up up in the air right now. Mm-hmm. I will say I'll say that, but it's looking very likely in this year. Mike Hack went to one PKSP <laughs> event. He's already swearing like a Diaz brother. Hey, you know. Hey, listen. Once in a while, it comes out. First appearance on the show. I think I dropped dropped a couple. You know, in the, in this what Florida games. Florida. It's what happens when you go go to Florida. You come back a different man or woman. Anyway, <laughs> look at look at look at Tom Brady. He's he's not the same guy that was playing for the Patriots all those years. It's almost like he's not playing for Bill Belichick anymore, right? That's right. <laughs> anyway, anyway, you guys you guys have been great. I'm specifically talking about the fans that tuned into this show. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, it's been a little longer. We almost went 90 whole minutes. But Mike, between the links tomorrow? Oh, yes. Triple threat match, baby. Triple threat match. Now, tomorrow yeah. is also the Bellator 263 press conference, which Casey will be at. Is this going to be a live between the links or will it be a podcast format only? It will be live. I'll be here. Yeah. There you go. There we go. All right. Breaking news. Breaking news. We have can to start you, a little later. We'll us, start a little later. Can you give us a hint on who's going to be on? Yeah. AK, Jed, and Spencer Kite. Triple threat match. So you're going to just stack the Canadians against? You're going to get a Western Canadian, Eastern Canadian, they're going to go after a Southern man? That's right. Wow. And, uh, wow. and and I will say, not all three individuals will go to the knockout round. Someone's going home early. My goodness. So My ready. goodness. So we could Stakes have an all-Canadian high, up there. Anyway, you guys Good. catch that. Casey, you'll be at the 263 uh, pre-fight press conference. Is it just the main event, or are they including the co-main too? Uh, the main and co-main. Okay, Matt cool. Burrell and uh, oh, I forget his opponent. I forget. <laughs> yeah. He's not. Primus isn't going to be there. Isn't Primus fighting on? No, he's at the uh, media day he's today. Manu- I chose to be here with you, people. Oh, Emmanuel Sanchez. That's right. Yeah, that's good fight. Coming. Fun yeah. fight. Fun I'm fight. Talking, anyway, I'm talking to Brent Primus in like 15 minutes, so you will get some yeah. Brent Primus stuff. He's sassy. He is a sassy individual. You can ask him all about calf kicks because you know he did that to michael chandler but anyway we'll see you back next wednesday i've been jose that's been mike that's been casey stick around for a dual preview show on friday dual post show on saturday i guess maybe why not not? we'll see you there peace guys you're listening to the vox media podcast network The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. 
Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.